Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Securities offered through registered representatives of Cambridge Investment Research and broker-dealer member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services through Cambridge Investment Research Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor. Cambridge and Cornerstone Financial Consultants are not affiliated. to the Journey Mindset Podcast. My name is Sean Ulrich, and I'm a financial advisor at Cornerstone Financial in Washington, Missouri. And I am joined today, as always, by my co-host, Ron Shear. And Ron is a former financial advisor with a wealth of knowledge on all things investing. So we are lucky to have him today. And Ron, man, what is one thing you are doing to enjoy your journey this week? Oh, Sean, I'm enjoying the nice uh, spring weather. It uh, It's absolutely been beautiful. We've had just a a little bit of rain and everything is starting to, the vegetation starting to get healthy and, and green and and uh, it's just a renewal of life and I that always excites me and, and a little Cardinal baseball here and there, that doesn't hurt anything either. So I'm, I'm enjoying the ride, it's been good. How about you? Oh man, well I loved the 14-3 uh, to 3 victory last night, that was fun to watch. Yeah. And then I was actually at the driving range. I joined a golf league. I haven't told, I haven't got a, a chance to tell you that in Forest Park. Good for you. Uh, my brother and I are going to be doing that on Thursday night. So hopefully we're keeping them straight, baby. But I'm I'm excited for there it. You I'm go. very excited for it. So our topic for this week, Ron, is going to be something that, like we were talking about pre-show, is one of the most common questions that I get uh, working in this industry which is, hey, I've got a decent amount of debt here off to the side, right. but I'd also like to invest. What should I do? And so our topic is paying off debt versus investing, you know, a topic that I think a lot of people run into these days. And the framework that we're going to use for this show actually comes from two CFPs that work out of Nashville. They call themselves the money guys. They're very entertaining to watch, give very good mm-hmm. uh, information. Uh, and they, they gave a show on this exact topic. So we're going to build off of what they had to say. So before we dive into our show today, Ron, man, what are the first couple of things that come to mind for you when you think about paying off debt versus investing? Well, I, I, I recognize that uh, for most middle Americans, uh, debt is, uh, is uh, it's part of life. Having said that, I'm not one that I don't like debt. Of course, I don't think anybody really does. And if, <laughs> and if you do like debt, then I think maybe you need to you might need to seek some professional help <laughs> and uh, not necessarily in investing. But but uh, to, to the point, though, it's part of life, I mean, particularly when you make major purchases. So it just kind of uh, comes along with life. So, but you do have to handle it. Absolutely. And the types of debt that we're going to talk about today are, number one, credit card debt, number two, student loan debt, number three, auto loans, and then lastly, mortgage loans. And then after we go through all that, we're going to look at an example that really paints a clear picture. So stick around for the end of this show to be able to see kind of the culmination of what it looks like to either pay off debt first or to invest first. And the guys start off by talking about debt as a tool and that it can have a massive impact on your credit score. But they make the point that not all debt is the same. So we're going to kick it off today with talking about credit card debt. And Ron, uh, put you right back on the hot seat again, man. What comes to your mind when you think of 
credit card debt. Well, I think sometimes so when you look at you look at student loans or you look at uh, a mortgage for your home or even a car payment, I think those sometimes are 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 more uh, to me they're more palatable, they're more yeah. acceptable. Credit card is credit card debt is something I'm very very cautious about for the simple reason that too many times you see and talk with clients who uh, have some credit card problems and it's because they haven't controlled their spending. And uh, mm. they, they make purchases that they can really, not always, but many times that they can ill afford. They can't afford to buy or be purchasing, what, but they use a credit card and they find themselves a lot of times in trouble very quickly. I was going to say that's a perfect segue because looking at the numbers here in 2021, the average interest rate on a credit card is 16.12%, which means that if you have a balance on that credit card, it's going to increase by 16.12% a month, which is crazy. I mean, you could never realistically expect to get those returns in the market on a consistent basis. It's just not going to happen. And a great point to be made about credit cards is that credit card debt is definitely bad, getting in debt, but credit card usage within itself isn't necessarily bad. One huge point that needs to be made is that you must pay that credit card off each month or you're just going to continue digging yourself a hole, a larger financial hole. And according to valuepenguin.com, which is actually by LendingTree, the average credit card balance in 2021 is $6,270, something that we were just talking about right. is something that we got to get away from as Americans. And we always have that temptation, though, if you got an ability to pay for it, you know, future self, if, if future self has to worry about it, then uh, some people are going to fall into that trap. But where credit card companies try to get you is when they only try to get you to make that minimum payment, you know, so then that interest keeps building and you're thinking, oh, well, this isn't too much out of my monthly budget. But at the end of the day, it's just like a a drain on your financial situation. And then a good rule of thumb is that when you have high interest credit card debt, this needs to be priority number one. So if you're somebody that's wondering, should I pay off my credit card debt or should I invest? The answer almost every time is to pay off that credit card debt first, right. especially if it's high interest, uh, like what we just mentioned. So, Ron, any last thoughts on credit cards before we move on to student loans? I, I have some last thoughts about it. My suspicion is, is because of the the uh, pandemic, uh, you know, there's cash has not been a, a real favorable thing for the simple reason that it has to be handled uh, and it gets handled by a number of people throughout the uh, throughout the credit system, and that is a good way, or the, they've kind of signal uh, signal signal that that's a a way that germs and the pandemic could actually be spread. So, mm. what we've done is we've uh, a lot of places you can't pay for anything with cash; you have to use a credit card. So, it's put us uh, the American people in uh, in uh, that we're using credit cards almost exclusively right now, and yeah. I think. For those who, people who can handle a credit card, that's not a bad thing. But <laughs> here again, for those people who can't, it's probably not been a very good thing. So, you know, time is going to tell. It always does. Yeah, and my final thoughts on it are I have seen people get good benefits and get sure. flights out of it and, you know, get points and, and are able to use it wisely. But just like anything else, it's like, man, you got to have a healthy fear of using that thing. And if you don't pay it off each and every month, it can really start to put you in a tough spot, especially if you have other debt as well that, that's in line with it. So it can be a good tool, but definitely be cautious. There so the you go. second topic that we're going to roll into is student loans. And I would say that this is one of uh, the most common discussion topics that I have with new people that are coming in 
uh, potentially trying to invest, they'll always say, I got X amount in student loans. What should I do? Uh, and according to Student Loan Hero, in most cases, your student loan interest starts accruing the day that you take out your loan. And the only exception is direct subsidized loans. And on these need-based loads, the federal government pays your interest while you're in school and during the six-month grace period after you leave. So the challenging thing with these loans is that you have the compound interest working against you every year as opposed to working for you. So, Ron, I was thinking about this when I was throwing the show together. When do you remember this student loan issue really starting to become a problem? How long ago was it before you were like, holy smokes, this is, this is getting out of hand? Well, I could tell you this, that back in the, my wife and I graduated from the university in the mid-70s, and, and uh, there were a few students who had student loans, but they were very, very small at that point in time. But now it's so common that, uh, my goodness, uh, you know, and I'm not just talking about doctors and lawyers, and particularly doctors who go a long way into school, many, many years of school. And sometimes their student loans can be half a million dollars, and that's, that's significant, uh, of course. But uh, uh, I don't recall anything in the early years. It was probably uh, back in the uh, mid to late 80s is when it really started to to uh, mushroom, and you know what, universities uh, played into that uh, as well. Uh, I, I, we're one of those examples. My wife and I, we we were <laughs> we both graduated from state schools. None of our kids ever even considered a state school. Every darn one of them went to private universities, and that's uh, and I don't need to tell you that m- most times uh, it's more expensive. Yeah. So. For sure, for yeah. sure. Well, as long as I've been alive and as long as I've had to consider, uh, you know, the different options for college, uh, student loans have been a problem. And, and it feels like almost every sure. year uh, it continues to get worse. And we're actually going to talk about that right now. Uh, and going back to this incredibly common situation where people have student loan debt, but they want to know how much they can invest or when do they start investing they just want to know what should I do. And some of the main factors that people need to take into account uh, before they even put themselves in this situation is that an, uh, knowing according to finaid.com, a good rule of thumb is that tuition rates will increase about twice the general inf- inflation rate. So on average, tuition tends to increase uh, right around 7 or 8% a year. And an 8% college inflation rate means that the cost of college doubles every nine years, right. which is crazy. And the other main consideration that needs to be taken into account when it comes to student loan debt is the interest rate that you pay on your student loans. This is all helping people answer the question, Mm -hmm. should I pay off debt or should I invest? Uh, And if you already have student loans, and let's pay attention to what your current interest rates are first in order to be able to make a wise decision. And it's also important, you know, it's worth mentioning that when you're in your 20s and your 30s, if you have the ability to invest, that money is is has so much more power over a long period of time because of compounding. Uh, and, and the cool thing that we're going to actually get to right now is that the money guys uh, that we referenced at the beginning put together a cool chart that helps people prioritize, should I pay off student loans at this time and, or, or should I invest? And it's actually based off of the risk-free rate. So if you're somebody between the ages of 20 to 29, if you have a student loan that's 6%, if, you, if the interest rate that you're paying on that student loan is at 6% or higher, prioritize that and put m- the majority of your money towards student loans. If you're somebody between the age of 30 to 39 and you have student loan debt that's over 5%, 
prioritize that and put a good amount of your money Mm -hmm. towards paying off student loans. And then if you're between ages 40 to 49 and you have student loan interest that's over 4%, prioritize that. And then if you're in your 50s, let's knock that student loan debt out. Let's uh, let's be sure to attack that. So, Ron, what do you think about that guidance of between 20 to 29, 30s, 40s, and prioritizing the interest rates? I think that makes a great amount of sense. It's a, it's a difficult thing to find yourself in because, uh, you know, there's a there's a great value in in, uh, in education. I mean, that's, uh, that's ultimately we go to school to prepare ourselves for how we're going to provide for ourselves in a future life for a uh, our, not only ourselves, but a, a, a spouse and a, and, a, and a family. But, uh, I mean, I, I think, too, there have to be some chalk marks or some, some guidelines as to when you're best off to wipe out student debt and then when there's, uh, you know, or a combination thereof, when you invest some money but then also concentrate on, uh, on cleaning up the student loans. I, I think, uh, and, and, and here again, I'm going to tell you, it's, I think it's a very, very difficult minefield almost to navigate, but it can be done, yeah. and it needs to be done. It needs to, the, I think the worst thing a person can do is just put off and defer, 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 making payments and not working towards getting those student loans paid off because, as this, this, this chart indicates, uh, uh, you know, when, when you have debt, Debt and age are not your friends. I mean, yeah. they're just not. Mm, that's a great point, such a great point. <clears throat> and if you're able to prioritize those student loans early enough and get some of those higher interest student loans paid off, it's going to allow you to put more money towards that incredible com- compounding machine that right. happens in your 20s and 30s. Right. So the last goal that I think people can shoot for when it comes to student loans is to try to have your student loan debt be less than your first year's anticipated salary out of college. That's usually a good rule of thumb. So if you can keep it under 50000 or 60000 whatever it might be, that makes it a lot more reasonable with you coming out. Sure. Now, to your point too, Ron, there are some uh, people in the medical community that they're going to come out with a heck of a lot more than that, but they're probably going to have a higher expected income, you know, by the time they get through it all as that, well. That's right. I mean, it's it's somewhat relative to that extent, but yeah, I mean, it uh, it's it's not uncommon for there to be hundreds of thousands of dollars in student loans, particularly for those that uh, that that go into the medical field. For sure, for sure. And just a reminder, you're listening to the Journey Mindset podcast, and you can reach out to us at six three six two three nine five thousand, and we are Cornerstone Financial Consultants in Washington, Missouri. And the third area that we're going to focus on today, talking about should we pay off debt or should we invest, is we're going to be talking about auto loans. And and again, we're going to build off of the framework from the money guys. They were saying the ideal situation for a car, because it's a depreciating asset, is to just pay cash, you know. But Mm -hmm. for most of us, that's not a realistic uh, uh, reality. Uh, So the reason being is that, uh, you know, because a car is a depreciating asset, we've seen new cars lose as much as 20% of their value within the first year of somebody owning them. And they came up with this framework for helping to buy a car. This is another situation I run into a uh, a couple friends of mine. Mm -hmm. Hey, I want to buy a new car. What's what's kind of the ideal scenario that you can look at? So here's three things that we would encourage people uh, to, to try to shoot for. Number one would be to put 20% down. If you can have a little bit of savings ahead of time before you buy that car and you can put 20% down, that's going to make a big difference on the payments that you would have to make. Try to be able to pay that car off within three years or less. I know that usually it's financed over a three to five year period of Mm -hmm. time. 
Uh, and if you can be disciplined enough to pay it off within that first three or four years, you're not getting dinged so hard on, on how much you would be paying over a long period of time. And then the last guideline is try not to make that car payment any more than 8% of your income. And that's your gross income, I believe. <clears throat> so to give us a practical example of what that would look like, if somebody made $50,000 in a year and they wanted to buy a car for $15,000 a year, so nothing super fancy, we're, right. we're, we're sticking with the reasonable vehicles here. If you were to put 20, 20% down, that would equate out to $3,000 and see if you would have the ability to pay that car off within a 36-month period of time, or even a 48 if it's, uh, if it's much better. Lastly, aiming for no more than 8% of your income as a monthly payment, so 8% of 50,000 is 4,000 divided by 12, which would give you a monthly car payment of right around $333. So this formula can be used for people that are considering taking out a car loan but want to do so with some wise financial framework. So, Ron, you're the car expert on the show. How, how has your view of financing cars changed over the years? And kind of what are some wise strategies that you've seen people employ? Well, I, I think that, uh, you know, there are a lot of different theories out there. Dave Ramsey has made himself famous over, uh, you know, managing money and uh, not managing money as much as managing debt. And he would be the first to tell you that you should drive, uh, just only drive what you can afford. And and uh, most of us, when we're just out of school, are, you know, just uh, young and, and, and getting married and starting families. Uh, there just isn't anything in the budget. And so you'd have to drive something that, that uh, you know, I would uh, have a tendency to look at it this way. You'd buy something that you can afford, and it wouldn't be much of an automobile. There's two ways to look at this. You can buy a decent automobile and save the shop and repair expenses that you typically that typically goes along with uh, with buying a car that you know that at, at that age you could afford and I'm not talking shouldn't talk just uh, typically to about younger people just getting started but that happens that can happen to anybody at any age I mean it's just a it's it's just a you know if you're a very fortunate person and and you have some knowledge of cars you could buy an older car and and hold it together and 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 make it work out fine. The majority of us don't have the time nor the knowledge to keep a car running, yep. and shop expenses are not—they're uh, not free either. So not I mean, easy. It's—it's uh, it's six one half a dozen the other. I'm of the opinion actually that what you should do is you should buy a fairly, uh, if not a new car, a fairly new car hmm. that even has some warranty left on it, and uh, and and choose to approach it that way. I think you've got more reliable transportation. And uh, I think you have less shop bills because shop bills are not free either. They cost money. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I'm yeah. actually in an interesting situation right now, too. I, I don't know. I have this bad habit of running up on uh, in a parking spot. Like my bumper will kind of <laughs> catch right there. And I'm, I did take the thing to the body shop. Or I took it to uh, you know a local car shop in mm -hmm. town and said, oh, you might need to go to the body shop. And one other thing, I got to get new tires too, but it's just like, holy smokes, you know, incorporating that into your budget, right? Uh, you know, on a yearly basis, it can sneak up on you. And, and right before you know it, you know, it can be anywhere from 600 to a thousand bucks that you're dropping on new tires. And then there it goes, you know, whatever, whatever fun expenses you had, you know, so there you are. Plus the fact that you don't have something, typically you don't have something that you feel is reliable. I don't think there's anything worse than knowing that you have to rely on an automobile to get to and from your job, which is important. That's yeah. uh, that's why they pay us. And uh, to not have that, that peace of mind of, of thinking or worrying about the fact, is my car going to break down? 
which, uh, you know, older cars, used cars are typical. That's what they do. Absolutely. Very true. So to wrap up this segment of the show, if you can keep your car payment within those boundaries, not only will it free up more money to be able to invest, but then now you're staying within some wise parameters for healthy financial living. And the last topic that we're going to talk about today is mortgage loans. And this was probably my favorite illustration that I've seen in a while. And the money guys talked about the tale of two savers. Think about two different people right here. And we're going to be comparing whether it's wiser to pay off a home first or to get out of debt quicker. Uh, And then uh, if you're going to be the first person, you're aiming to get out of debt as quickly as possible. And if you're going to be the second person, you're going to be uh, paying off that home, but you're going to also be investing at the same time. So in our example, the two different people are both age 30. Each of them has just bought a home, and each of them has a mortgage rate of 4%. Person one pays off their mortgage in 10 years, and they're electing to pay $2,430 a month on that mortgage. And then after it's paid off, they're going to take that exact amount of money that they've been paying towards the home, and they're going to invest it after a 10-year period of time. While person number two pays off their mortgage in 30 years, and they're choosing to pay $1,146 a month on their mortgage, and then they're going to invest $1,284 at the same time. And then after the home is paid off, they're going to invest the total amount of that money. And the assumed rates of return on this money is going to be 9% in their 30s, 8% in their 40s, 7% in their 50s, and 6% from then on kind of decreasing their expected return as as age goes on and their uh, risk tolerance probably tries to wind down a little bit. So let's take a quick look at how the numbers shake out. So person number one, this is the person that wants to pay off the debt as quickly as possible. After 10 years, their mortgage is totally paid off and they are debt-free and they are clear. And if they uh, started investing, yeah, if, then they, they, if after they paid that off, they then started investing $2,430 right. $2, a month after the 10-year period, they would have about half a million dollars, $447,501 after 20 years. Not bad. They would have $1,322,355 invested after 30 years, and then they would have $1,954,039 after a 35-year period of time. So totally debt-free after 10 years and close to $2 million after a 35-year period of time. Not not a bad route to travel at all. No, not at all. Person number two, who's been investing the whole time and is only paying half as much on their mortgage, uh, they would have $250,000 invested after that 10-year period of time while still having $189,000 in mortgage payments still left after that first 10-year period of time. But after 20 years, they have close to $800,000 invested, 792 to be exact, and they'd have 113000 left on the mortgage still left to pay compared to the 447000 that person one has. And after 30 years, their home is totally paid off and they have $1,800,000 $800, invested. And then finally, after a 35-year period of time, they have $2.6 million saved compared to person one who had $1.9 million saved. 
So the reason that this extra money is such a big deal because the average withdrawal rate in an investment portfolio is usually between three and a half to five percent. So when you have that extra six hundred thousand dollars for the person that made the decision to invest, you know, the entire time along the way, it can be a huge, huge deal by the time you hit retirement. So if you just want to hit those numbers one more time, person number one paid off debt early, ended up with close to two million. Person number two invested and paid off their mortgage at the same time, ended up with close to two point six million. So if you have that tolerance to be able to do both at the same time, it could it can uh, be as big of a difference as an extra thirty thousand dollars worth of yearly income coming out of that portfolio. So Ron, what do you think of that illustration right there? Well, I love that illustration. It mm. uh, it shows uh, uh, you know that's that's good money management. I don't know that either one is a is a bad answer. Not at all. Because the outcomes are are uh, are positive and they're and they're good. But there's no question about. It. The second, uh, the second person, person number two, uh, kind of uses uh, time and investing to their advantage, and I yep. think that always pays off. And it's it's very obvious in the way the numbers turn out after a 30, 35 year period of time. I was going to say that's something that you know so many people want to know, and I do think it depends upon your life situation sure and, and do you want to stay in that home for a long period of time. I've seen that some people will use paying smaller mortgage payments to their advantage because they don't expect to stay in the home for a long period right. of time. But if you do get to that point where you say, hey, this is my forever home. I want to stay here. This is where I want to have kids and, and raise a family. And I still have some debt hanging around. What's the wiser route to travel? We can see that the numbers will show to invest at the same time, as long as you don't have any one of those, you know, big, you know, credit card debts or anything else kind of lingering over your head it can be wiser to make some of the smaller payments on the mortgage while investing at the same time because it gives you more flexibility right. down the road right. to be able to do that. And I think that the confidence of being able to do that can just allow people to make some better decisions. Uh, that being said, I have seen people that have kind of a, a mental cloud over their head if they have any sort of debt and they just want to get it paid off. And if you're that person, I mean, person number one is not in a bad situation oh, no. at all. No, that's know? not that's not a wrong answer. Yeah, not by any means. So uh, it's just cool. It's cool to see the numbers fleshed out, which then gives you, th as the investor, the power to make the decision that's best for you and your family. So in conclusion of our show today, when we are considering, you know, should we pay off debt first or should we invest first? We talked about credit card debt and that if you have high interest credit, credit card debt, prioritize that. Student loan debt, we gave you a, a tiered system that if you have interest rates over a certain percentage, prioritize that for the most part while also trying to still, in, still invest a little bit at the same time. If you're going to take out a loan on an auto loan, try to be able to put 20% down, try to pay it off within a three to four year period of time, and try not to make it more than 8% of your total current income. And then lastly, we talked about mortgage loans and how being able to pay you know, uh, the payment on that while also being able to invest through that right. can be a much wiser decision, can put, you know, upwards of close to $30,000 more in your pocket if we're going off of historic numbers, if you choose to go about it that way. So any final thoughts from you, Ron, before we wrap up our show today? Well, yeah, final thoughts are, I think credit, just like any, any other tool, it, uh, it has to be used correctly. It has to be used wisely. And I think you have to, you know, like any other project you have, 
you know, building a house or, or whatever, you know, doing some landscaping work, whatever it is that you choose to do, you always plan your job. And I think your financial uh, realm is, uh, is, uh, deserves time. It, it deserves planning. And, and I think people who uh, crunch these numbers and take a look at things in the grand scheme of things are in the long, long picture. I think this tells a very, very good story that uh, time and investing in the market, uh, it, 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 pays, it pays off. It always has. I don't see anything that's ever, we can't guarantee that, you know, they're going to be happy outcomes. But uh, for the most part, historically, it turns out that uh, the longer and the larger the amount of money going into the market, the better off you are. Time is your friend when it comes to investing. Exactly. And I got to give a big thank you to the uh, the money guys for putting together the kind of the framework for that show right well, there. It made cool it very idea. easy to talk yes. about. Made it very, very easy to talk about. So the reason for the podcast and the real heart behind all of our messages lies in the gospel. We believe that God sent His only Son, Jesus, to this world with the message of good news. And the good news is that we as humans do not need to earn our way into heaven. Instead, we need to repent of the current way that we live, living for ourselves in our own personal glory, and instead choose to invite Jesus into our lives to follow His word, what we believe to be truth. Ultimately, we believe Jesus, after living a perfect life here on earth, was put to death for no other reason other than saying he was the Son of God, thus being put to death for our sins, which he knew was going to happen. Again, the good news of the gospel of Jesus is something we did nothing to earn. It was a free gift from God. We know that after Jesus died, we believe he rose again three days later, appearing to those on earth who had deserted him before his death, ultimately ascending back into heaven. After Jesus ascended back into heaven, we receive what Jesus called the Holy Spirit to guide our lives in decision-making. We now have the freedom to live for God, bringing glory to God as a response to the sacrifice that He made for us on the cross. And we wholeheartedly believe that we were all created to do good works, rooted in truth, what we know to be God's Word, driven by love with this newfound freedom as a response to this good news. So as always, be sure to connect with us at thejourneymindset.com or visit our company page at cornerstone2invest.com and reach out to us at Cornerstone Financial in Washington, Missouri at 636-239-5000 if you would like to connect and learn more about what it would look like to invest with us here at Cornerstone Financial. Our goal is to always get to know your particular situation and to see how we can help. So big thank you for tuning in today. We love being on 99.9 KFAV.